My name is Abhay Dandekar, and I share conversations with talented and interesting individuals linked to the global Indian and South Asian community. It's informal and informative, adding insights to our evolving cultural expressions, where each person can proudly say, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Hi, everyone. On this episode, we explore the world of Odissi dance with one of its foremost masters, Bijoyani Satpathi. Stay tuned. So this isn't a surprise, but the journey toward mastery is probably not linear, less likely to be simple, and most importantly, it's seldom ever finished. At minimum, we're all a work in progress and on a journey toward at least mastering self-awareness and self-trust. And speaking of awareness and trust, thank you all for listening and sharing this with your friends and family, for subscribing, downloading, and rating the podcast wherever you get your content, and for following us on social media at Dr. Abhaydandekar. It's very much appreciated. Now, for those who are on a journey to master the arts, along with the perfection of skill, there's the complexity of guidance through new exploration, of reshaping and redefining through life's changes, and of integrating a relationship with oneself through practice and humility and love for the art. Jay Krishnamurti said that, without love, there is no art. When the artist is playing beautifully, there is no me. There is love and beauty, and this is art. This is skill in action. And recently, I was grateful to share a conversation with one of the world's foremost masters of Odissi dance, Vijoyani Satpati. And I realized very quickly that I was in the presence of someone who's in the prime of her artistic life. Vijoyani has enjoyed a career as a dancer, teacher, and scholar, embarking on the journey as a child in Odisha, and then through the renowned Nritya Gram Dance Ensemble in Bangalore, where for over 25 years she studied and perfected Odissi, one of the most complex forms of classical Indian dance through the guidance of Protima Gauri and in partnership with artistic director Shurupa Sen. Her achievements and scholarship drew from a deep study of yoga, anatomy, and the Natya Shastra texts, directing Nrityagram's training and outreach for many years. In 2018, she left the ensemble to chart a new journey of exploration with her own choreography work and performance, remaking and reimagining this artistic mastery through her lens of interpretations and expressions. After much self-reflection, great resilience, and a profound commitment to discovery, Vijoyani has expanded the Odissi form in new ways, with commissioned performances through Duke University and the Barishnikov Arts Center, as well as an immersive 2021-2022 Artist-in-Residence series at New York's Metropolitan Museum of Art. As we chatted about it all, I asked her if, as an Odissi dancer, there were any surprises that she discovered from her experience at the Met. They were, they were. I had, you know, uh, as a Odissi dancer, I know that dance, when it was restructured or constructed completely, yeah. newly from the imagination of people of the times of 60s, I feel like the reference point was temples. So whenever I visited the temples, I've done a lot of research in Odisha temples. I have felt like, yes, dance lives here and dance can just, you know, flower here and things can happen in in this interactive space between the temple and the dance but i didn't realize that in modern and contemporary gallery looking at a sam gilliam drape painting mm. i would be inspired to move and create movement that was my first the first piece of art that did a lot inside me and i realized i had no idea who the painter was and i realized that i have to open my inner doors 
my artistic and my creative and my imaginative doors inside to receive. And there is always a very palpable action reaction taking place between the interiority of myself and whatever the artist is saying or however I am perceiving. And that happened in the Met. So I was surprised that being a classical, traditional Indian dancer, I was looking at art from other cultures, art from different times and something very modern and feeling my dance through it. Did you find some similarities to the relationship that perhaps you may have when dancing in a temple or in that kind of environment? I feel the similarity was in the way that art, every art is layered and Odyssey is extremely intricate and layered. Yeah. And not just the dance vocabulary, but finally with, when it comes to presentation, it's it's many of me operating at the same time. It lets the being, the artistic being, and I have to just keep it to myself. I do not know right. if it is the experience of all artists, but I feel like I operate at many in many dimensions when I come as an artist to the stage. And I feel that multiplicity mm. of an artist's experience as a human being, as someone who feels in almost very confident and invincible and powerful. Mm. Yeah. Uh, because as an artist, I feel extremely powerful. I feel yeah. like nobody can break me. And I am, yeah, the might and the power I feel when I dance is something that is why I continue to dance. Because yeah. in real life, I am guarded. I have rules sure. for myself, perceived conditioning, all of that. But I feel when I get on stage with my art, I give myself license to be everything that my being aspires to be. I love that how the empowerment word comes through, especially. Mm -hmm. And in this space, I mean, I have a completely playful question to ask you because I've been meaning to ask this to someone who has that feeling of empowerment, who feels so strong with their art. Have you ever experienced anxiety and nervousness and stage fright in the every context of single every time. single time? Every single time. But I have a nightmare, a particular nightmare <laughs> that comes to me that uh, with the first step, I enter the stage, I'm going to slip and not have a grip on the floor and I'm going to fall. So yeah. it takes me about a minute to yeah. know I did not fall, everything is okay. But yeah. yes, and I feel like I question myself if for some reason in an informal situation, I'm not feeling as nervous as I as I usually do. I feel like, oh, maybe I haven't practiced enough or, or you know, why am I feeling so overconfident that I am not, my hands have not frozen, right. my feet are not sweating, but fear is uh, always there. Did the concept of now being in a gallery with art at the Met, was it at all less anxiety provoking in some way? Mm, no, no, no. They were very different. I am used to being close to the audience because I practiced in Nithigram Dance School for 25 years. And one of the main sessions of practice was open to visitors. It's a, it's uh -huh. a place where people come to see beautiful architecture, the dance village in working in practice sessions. So I'm used to having people in proximity. And I also 
wanted to break that fourth wall between the audience and I yeah. uh, and kind of have them reach me beyond permissible in a proscenium stage. And also in a studio space, there is always a demarcated space right. uh, that audience cannot come into. Whereas here, I was in touching distance of the audience. Yeah. And when I looked, I, I tried to make eye contact. When I looked, I was really looking into someone's eyes and I yeah. could read their mind while I was looking at them. So it, I wanted that because I was challenging myself in different ways than I may not compare to familiar that I have known. Because of all this unfamiliar and the new things, the unusual things I was experimenting to experience my dance in was reason to make me nervous <laughs> sure <laughs> and i mean perhaps a little bit more intimate than very, some of the other spaces very absolutely very the final performance came to the proscenium stage so that was different but it was built with uh, the experience and memories of the gallery performances that that final version or that final presentation of doha mm -hmm. which was you know navigating that relationship of prayer and play I'm curious whether this balance between divinity and its traditional definition of whatever mm -hmm. that might be mm -hmm. and bhav, mm -hmm. I, I wonder if this is a framework for your own journey in dance, this, this play between the, between the two or the balance between the two. There are a few reasons why I wanted to explore this idea. One of the reasons is actually what happened to me when I parted from the community and went solo. So, yeah. you know, being part of Nityagram for a very, very long time. And there was this desire to deepen my relationship with my dance. It was happening a certain way. It was a deep experience, but there was a calling for something more. And it was a hard decision because when you know the familiar, everything was beautiful. When I went out, there was a lot of emotional experience that I went through. However, I survived it. And the only reason I survived it, the only way I survived it was through dancing. The, dance, the dancing by myself, just practicing in a space by myself, experiencing everything. I, to me, dance has always been extremely therapeutic. I yeah. may go through a very disturbing experience in life and then not speak about it, not really have a confrontation. But I go to practice just after that. And there is a way for me to release. It doesn't matter that it's, you know, if I am, I'm left with a sense of anger, let's say, mm -hmm. it's not like I'm doing some Abhinaya or Bhav thing, which has, which allows me to experience anger. Yeah. It's not directly balanced that way, but just dancing allows for me to just release, live that moment and release it out of my system. So having known that, I felt like when I was dancing, I, at some points, it felt like death to me. As sad as that and as, as devastating as that, but there was a light alongside that darkness. And that literally translated into pray and play it just made me aware constantly that we have this deep desire for the soul to experience itself to the fullest mm. that is why we are 
breaking things that are comfortable that are working because the soul has to go to its deep place which may seem dark but it allows for play to give you the hope to again my personal experience it may right. not be a formula same thing happened same experience i went through when i lost my father in 2020 december sure it was devastating devastating very disturbing way of him passing and i struggled with myself i know many people do with a lot of guilt that i was able to smile and laugh yeah even while talking about him and i questioned that schizophrenia in my head as to where is this deep devastating sadness and darkness and then how can light exist and then the pandemic that's the right. other situation we all went into isolation and it was as if just before the pandemic i had separated from the community which was like a buzzing life for me going into alone in a very isolated environment that i had built for myself and it was almost like a mirror turned towards me a reflection saying the way you are the whole world is like that everybody is in isolation everybody is in their own space everybody is facing themselves in a stretched out time you know their beings are being stretched out every moment is being experienced you can't just leave this and go to the next thing you live it in a stretched out manner and that's what was happening to me also through that i kept feeling like so many so much darkness there is my father yeah. gone i have taken this decision to separate from this community life yeah. that was so comfortable i survived and i was hoping and i was wanting to create i was wanting more yeah. i was wanting to live through my art both i think translated to two primary and primal probably mm. essential things that i feel we survive through this as human beings sure like we there is a depth of centeredness which is prayer and there are certain rituals like prayer you do bhajan and that takes you to that space so we do commit to such rituals to mm. really experience that part of ourselves and there is constantly play there is curiosity there is wonder that takes us to this bright and light spaces mm. and i felt like this is so essential to me and this is something that i have lived through in such deep way in the last 3 years i want to really explore through my dance it's not a narrative it's it's an it's a narrative for me inside but it's actually a non narrative in a very uh metaphorical philosophical topic but i think that that expression that you mention is the result and even at the kind of self awareness of so much balancing excitement and playfulness with some deep trauma mm -hmm. as well and maybe it's the kind of processing that most people go through in your case mm -hmm. that processing manifested itself in dance. Mhm. Mm yes. Yes. You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with Vijayani Satpathi. Every story told is a lesson learned, and every lesson learned is a story waiting to be told. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and I share conversations with global Indians and South Asians so everyone can say, "Trust me, I know what I'm doing." New episodes weekly wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome back to Trust Me I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation with Odissi artist Vijayani Satpathi. 
I read an article where you once shared that the sense of liberating freedom is, and you use the word terrifying. So, I mean, you know, when you are being vulnerable, you're sharing this trauma, you're actually now allowing people to get introduced to this side of you. Mm-hmm. And and that freedom, that liberation, that sense of expression is in fact in fact terrifying. How so? How terrifying is this? Why why does why does terrifying seem to be at least a description that you use? I feel like when I was creating this, it was a test that I was appearing at. And yeah. I have had a very successful career. And also when I look at my childhood, I have done some thinking. When I look at my childhood, I have followed a narrative of success and never failing. So, and I was really trying something very, very new, very unfamiliar, never tried. In many aspects, the the this whole residency's work was something that I was doing on my own as an artist who feels very, very responsible towards the ODC tradition. I also feel that is scope of expansion, but it ha- I believe it has to be done with respect. And the fear came from not knowing how close I was to that threshold of just crossing it and perhaps causing some sort of disrespect to the tradition. Mm. Yeah. But I made it slightly easy for myself. I I remained terrified, but by just speaking about this, uh, making myself vulnerable, I felt like I conveyed the tenderness of this effort, the delicateness of this effort to my dramaturg, to my lighting designer, to all of the creative collaborators, and mainly my music composer. I was going to say the music probably. Music composer who uh, I feel like if I had held my personal fears to myself and not talked about it, they wouldn't have known how. Well, how to surround you with. Exactly, exactly. So she gave me a perfectly balanced, beautiful composition of music. It became very simple. I had to just ride the wave of the melody and the pulses and the rhythm and it became exactly what I wanted to say, what I wanted to convey. And for the first time in my life, I have people who have watched me for a long time, for 30 years, they have been following my journey. And most of them said they were watching me, but actually they were going through a personal journey of their own. Mm. For the first time, they could feel their body and their own interior. So it was overwhelming for them to just go through it, it became an experience. And there was no divide between Indian, American, white, black. I have had this yeah. response from everybody. So I felt like it is one of the things that classical dancers have to do, make themselves vulnerable enough to connect with another soul, but not fall apart. I can also make myself vulnerable and fall apart talking about my the sadness around my dad's sure. passing, you know, sure. the trauma of that. But it's just enough to know that you can open doors, let people in, and journey along together. 
classical dances allow for that and it's a beautiful thing the way i connect like i i'm we are connecting now sure. we are talking interacting the way i connect when i dance is palpable i can feel it yeah. i can even if we are you know space apart i feel like we come so close it's such an intimate connection and that day a few people came and said if we could do this my teacher who is my anatomy teacher who studies body cadavers muscles bones everything she said if i could put more people into this space the world will be a more connected one it was beautiful for me to hear that i i'm curious about what first off i wish i had that kind of relationship with my anatomy lab teacher <laughs> in medical school but i don't think that's possible is some mild fear, if you will, necessary to, in fact, spark courage and innovation and discovery? I think so. I think it keeps me on edge mm -hmm. and responsible to be not overconfident, but confident enough to try. At the same time, courage, you say courage, so Fear keeps me on that cliff that I don't lose control. Right. I, with control, I stretch into the space. So I feel it helps me. And that's why I question myself when I don't feel my hands and palms sweating. I feel like, have I you know, missed something? Have I missed some plot? Is, is there something that's awry even? Yeah, but it's a healthy fear, I would say. Yeah. It's not fear that it, that makes you incapacitated, that paralyzes you. It's it's a fear that invigorates you to sure to cross a certain boundary of safety and yeah. risk a little more, because it's it's needed. It's yeah. needed. Otherwise, we a lot of teachers I I have learned with a lot of teachers. They said you're playing safe. Yeah. So that's what it is. You're playing safe. You know, this works. You know, this works. That's the safety environment. But how to risk a little more, say something different, because we all speak in English, yeah. but someone writes differently than the other. And that book gets the book a prize or something touches more people than the other. It's because of the way we say we yeah. use the language. It's the same thing. Dance is a language. And yeah. I feel like we need to have enough to know the core of it and respect the core of it at the same time reach out and innovate and mm -hmm. and seek new bound and yes. seek new territory actually yes. is yes. it harder for those who study and practice and teach within the framework of of the tradition and of of Odyssey dance to grapple with that liberation sometimes because uh, your stretch might be very different from someone else's stretch and your Absolutely. courage might be different from somebody else's and and particularly in in environments like india that are so richly rooted in tradition mm -hmm. it provides such a foundation for these kinds of things mm -hmm. how do you actually navigate through through that when in a in a very very subjective environment yes uh, the thing is that i my practice has been in india in a very yeah. traditional setup first for 13 years in orissa yeah. which um but there is a lot of experiment even in orissa that's taking place yeah. right now which only makes me happy for me from the beginning there was a yearning to look for beyond mm. what is beyond beyond odyssey of orissa 
So I saw that when I had the first opportunity to be invited to Nutigram, I saw that access yeah. to beyond and I reached out. And in Nutigram, Gaurima Pratima Bedi, who was the founder of my guru, she created a lot of opportunities to expose us to other ways of thinking of movement not mm. just odc so the, also in odc there were other teachers so you yeah. would find another point of view then you your boundaries even if i'm not creating i haven't created till 2020 yeah you know possibilities other possibilities exist it's only because you have been within a certain environment and not seen beyond you believe like this is tradition Sure. So when you expose yourself to other traditions, other ways of moving, then the information comes in and you begin to feel a certain level of confidence about stretching. So you are right. It is subjective. Someone who doesn't have that exposure and also Gaurima told Shurupa and I, Shurupa was the main creator when we were collaborating. Yeah. She said, I'm behind you go and yeah. do what you need to do that's also important the blessing of the teacher and guru is very very important to uh, and their confidence the reach the how much how far to go the risk that one takes is very very dependent on what is the environment and perhaps even the timing of when to do that and how to mm -hmm. do that and the absolutely. license that's given by your guru absolutely H have you always been self-aware of this yearning and this desire to explore without boundaries? And perhaps does this ever feel lonely when you're in that sort of innovative space? I have realized it not in the moment, but uh, there is a stirring that begins to take place where I must find, I must leave the cocoon and find another yeah. Uh, space. And I have only looked back and questioned, oh, I did it then. And then I did it again. And then I did it again. I hadn't gone to a therapist until my father passed or just before that. And uh, she said, it's your soul's yearning. And I, I would like to believe that <laughs> I hadn't gone to a therapist for a long time for a different reason. The reason being dance provides me a way to sure. live out my trauma. Okay. So there was I have never felt the need to interact at that level, but I would like to believe that, that there is nothing I can control. Even if, if intellectually I tell myself, this is the best that I have got now, there is a certain inner stirring that takes place that I must break out of wherever I am and go. So when I look back now in retrospect, I feel like yeah. I have gone through these stirrings. And and as you as you make those stretches, as you deal with the trauma and also deal with the freedom mm -hmm. um, of that, does that ever feel again lonely, where you're in the space of of breaking new ground and carving out new territory, and it's both a personal journey, but it's also extending some professional boundaries, mm -hmm. where no one is really, no one yeah. is really there to pave the way. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, I think most artists would agree with me that their journey is lonely. Yeah. It's a lonely journey, but it's not, an, it's not a bad lonely. Sure. There is a very strong relationship and bond with whatever the art form represents for each one of us. And it kind of fulfills 
all the gaps. So the loneliness is almost desired. I feel like if I wasn't lonely, I wouldn't be who I am today. Mm. I say being a sadist also, like, I, oh, well, a uh, little bit pain and being, living that pain yeah, without support, finding that space of being alone, being lonely, drives a certain kind of movement in the art. And I feel I like it personally. Yeah, there seems like there's a power and a yes. solace and a comfort. Yes. Yeah. And, a, and that seems like it actually builds confidence for you. Yes, it's it allows for the opportunity to explore, explore yeah. really in a meaningful way, in an in-depth way. Yeah. And if I was uh, filling my time and space and surrounding with things to do, with interactions to have, then I wouldn't have that alone, personal, vulnerable, deep conversation with my art. Mm. And it's that conversation that gives me a question to ask, a new question to ask, a new question to uh, analyze and yeah. find perhaps some possible answers, not really an answer ever, yeah. complete answer that I, I cannot say I have found answers to every question, but yeah. it's just living those questions and allowing myself the, the free time and the free mind to live those moments. But, but I mean to say that if it's I will use the word clutter, but it's not really clutter. If I, if it, my time is busy, is packed yeah. with interactions, information, then I do not get to that naked moment with my art. I think that's that's what it is. I need that vulnerable naked moment with my art to be able to find flavors different than I know. I, I you mentioned the word. And it's a very palpable, I think, fabric that you probably see in your practice. And, you know, you've lived this language and this mm -hmm. vocabulary of dance since you were a child. And yes. do you ever intentionally go back and rely on that basic foundation of building that language from your childhood, even today? I do that every day. So the exploration is not without the foundation. Yeah. <clears throat> it is having the anchor in the tradition that I believe is what has been built over many years with many minds, with many inputs. Uh, it's very powerful and very strong. What I am doing is just holding on to that anchor and reaching in one direction. There's 360 degrees available yeah. to explore. Somebody else, like we talked about it being subjective, the reach, somebody yeah. else hopefully is doing the same, holding on to that same anchor, yeah. you know, hanging from a pillar outwards. Like yesterday, I presented Mangala Charan, which is the first traditional dance of repertoire, ODC traditional repertoire. It's beautiful. The experience is beautiful. How different it is. And I want to speak. It's the same New York audience that came to look at it. Yeah. And I was able to touch and feel my audience and hopefully they connected. Visually, it's different. It's a different robe. It's a different costume. It's a different look. And it's highly layered. The tradition is very ornate and very intricate and very layered. What I am trying to do is just exploring one layer of it. 
yeah in in my residency what i did was just i kind of i'm taking the layers out and exploring one layer and another layer and another layer and really looking at the beauty of all those layers that when they come together become the tradition do do you ever have to remind yourself or even remind others more more importantly of what that foundational language and vocabulary perhaps even was for you as a child that that has anchored you so much as you peel the layers as you demonstrate these layers is there ever a sort of i wouldn't say nostalgia but even just a sort of reflection like wow i've done this not only just so many times by number but the quality of how i dance as a child i have to remind myself of of what that was like in fueling and making that expression that much more whole i do that i do that so there is a foundational vocabulary i'm sure because your daughter learns bharatanatyam you know yeah. those basic adavas which yeah. are the little units of movement that kind of uh, that are the foundational basis of repertoire you know yeah. what movement grows to become when it's in poetic form or a, or a prose form i practice those on a daily basis yeah. and once twice a week i practice a traditional repertoire just to feel where that holds whether i can remember how i felt as a child dancing it i'm not sure if i can do this mm. because it's only in memory and yeah. i feel like i feel it in a much more stronger way now when i dance it yeah even if some of that memory may come into the practice of it but i have more respect for it you're listening to trust me i know what i'm doing after a quick break we'll come back to our conversation with bijoyini satpati I'm Abhay Dandekar, and you're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation now with Odissi dance artist Bijoyini Satpati. Ha- has that balance of the tradition and the autonomy and liberation to express that tradition in your liberated way, how do you approach that balance, particularly in the role of it being a teacher? I feel it's important for every student to also practice finding ownership of the tradition so it's somebody else's language it's many people's language that has been distilled into this one language that has been handed down to us we practice a lot so that we our insights can resonate with it yeah. and we can identify with the essence of that tradition so i do talk constantly about there is going to be wait there is going to be a time when you will feel one with the tradition so question it look at it analyze it from the outside but there is going to be no outside you are not going to be on the outside mm-hmm. you're going to be in it and one with it yeah. and when that happens as a teacher i know if the student remains with me long enough i know when they have arrived at that oneness with the art do they know that uh no they don't know that uh well i think 
in the inside they know that because their face glows differently yeah the smile that they were going to they're acting they own that it comes from inside naturally right. than them pretending any right. longer so that outside inside merges i yeah. feel that it, it does happen but it's i feel like i was taught very differently traditional sure. teachers and i talk to my students very very differently i'm extremely open and i tell them that something is happening you are experiencing your dance differently and we have a conversation yeah and then i'm very conscious to guide them in small exercises to really establish their agency establish yeah. their ownership by exploring in very small ways something mm. like a, maybe a rhythmic impulse maybe a melodic sequence or maybe an idea in silence so just different exercises that allows for them to get a hold on their art and see it bring it outside of themselves so it doesn't just become an experience but it's a piece it becomes a piece that somebody else will try and see through their eyes and experience through their eyes you know in that same kind of way exploring and thinking about the community that you were such a, a large part of and was such a large part of you nritigram was understandably so formative in your mm -hmm. experiences in Absolutely. your life and certainly when you left i'm imagining a, a a big shift a seismic change in some ways did did anything change for you as far as how you prepared for your art how you practiced and, and even how you sort of developed a relationship with that practice with that preparation you know what i'm yet to really find what happened because i landed i left at the end of 2018 yeah. and 2019 is just to get a hold of myself my practice i'm very disciplined so i stuck to everything that i was doing right. at netgram and then soon within a year i did a us tour in 2019 and uh, then we were in the lap of the pandemic so yeah. i haven't really arrived at knowing how things are happening but i'm extremely disciplined I know that I follow a certain routine. I have allowed myself a little freedom to be not structured within by the hour, but but by the need of the body. So yeah. if today at 8 a.m. I feel like I need to go start my conditioning, it's 8 a.m., sometimes it's 6 a.m. Yeah. So it's I do not give myself that kind of structure. Where I was in the school and the community, it was that kind of a timely structure. Sure. But I see very clearly that my body and my being it must be also a long time conditioning that it requires it asks for that investment in the studio space i go there and once i do it i i am calm and i'm ready to go into practice to go into innovation to go into research all of yeah. that the new way is now i have no outside eye to look at me mm. so i am left alone to check myself yeah. i always relied on whether as long as i was studying under a teacher there was the teacher's eyes we don't as indian dancers we don't look at mirrors to right. create you know to correct our form but a teacher would look at the hand and we know oh it's a little too low it needs to stretch up and sometimes they verbalize sometimes they speak 
I have lost that mirror now. And as long as I collaborated with Shurupa at Nithigram, either it was me sitting looking at her or her sitting looking at me. So we had each other's eyes. Now I'm all by myself. I have my camera. So I record myself. This is a very new way. I still cannot, get, I have a mirror. I have a large enough mirror to look at myself. Yeah. But I feel like it's extremely narcissistic to look at myself because we are involved and the sense of being in the right posture position yeah. is something that is an internal experience than an external realization. I, I'm wondering if if this required a significant amount of rewiring yes, for you. Yes, it did. It right? did. Yes. So recording myself through the entire session or anything new that I was doing and look at myself, it doesn't, the thing is that I can never take anything for granted, even if there is something that I have practiced for many, many years and performed many, many times, I know that something can fail, something yeah. can go off. So I'm every day putting myself through this exercise of recording sessions. I choose because I can't really watch myself for three hours, but I choose one part of my practice and I have to find time during the day to look at my practice and see, okay, this is not working. This angle has to be reworked and I work with that. And this must be such a big change for your own self-awareness, for your ego, for how you even analyze yourself yes. in being your own critic. And yet, is there also a ability and capacity to find peace and stillness and satisfaction with your work? Yes, that definitely happens in the studio while I'm working. So whether it's right or wrong, the recording I'm not looking at, nobody's telling me or stopping me in the middle of it saying that that didn't work. And what, or what were you thinking or <laughs> none of that. So I allow myself the practice session in peace and quiet. I go through it with all my uh, intention, in place and all my awareness in different parts of my body and being. And then I look at it at a later stage. And yes, it is a blow to the ego because I must have had a deep experience doing something and it doesn't look anything like that when I'm looking right. at it from the outside. Yeah. Also, that does not mean that all of that outer shape to be perfect is everything. Hmm. Because for me also now what is important is the experience I'm going through. I have performed a lot. There's a, yeah. There has been a lot of external validation. Yeah. But what remains very rich for me and most valuable, most precious and important is the experience I have, which crosses a lot of boundaries and takes me to I, I, for the for the want of a better wo word, I think spiritual spaces. If yeah. there is something, I'm not I'm not a God believing person, sure. but I do go into deeper spaces of yeah. question about life, about interactions that take place, mostly questions, and I feel like I'm able to live those moments. Now, when you are now taking that same kind of as you mentioned, spirituality mm -hmm. and that relationship that you have with your practice, with your preparation, with your self-analysis, when you're actually in front of an audience, you know, that there's certainly this blend of grace and precision 
and all the work that you've put into your practice, the rigor and the even playfulness and creativity mm -hmm. that blends itself all together, when you're walking an audience through a piece now, is the goal for them to arrive someplace at that location of spirituality? Or is it actually, as you mentioned, to ignite further questions and curiosities and more exploration and discovery that they will want for them? You know, as a choreographer who is designing, I have always worked with choreographies of other people. And there has been somebody outside who's telling me, this is your place, this is your pattern, this is your movement. That's what I've done. Now I'm choreographing for myself. And I realize I have never known how the choreographers have journeyed and what they have seen and done, what they have experienced, what the, how they have translated it. I have not known. Now I know. I am on this side and that side. I don't aim for anything for the audience. Hmm. There is nothing. I am not trying to ignite anything in the audience. I am living. Yeah. I am just stretching a moment to become a performance so that I really savor that one aspect like play and play. Just these two concepts. I want to expand that concept to yeah. its maximum. In a way, it's a very selfish journey. What I check is the exterior. Like yeah. my intention and the melody, the music we have created and the visual I'm creating, visual. So it's only the exterior. There is, I really cannot plan how it's going to play out with an audience. Yeah. Because I, that is, I think that is becoming overconfident. For me, it feels like I really can't be responsible for how someone feels. I feel like someone might have had a huge showdown at work. Yeah. But they have bought a ticket, they arrive. What yeah. they feel or someone who has gone to a Buddhist temple and gone through a deep meditation or a yoga class and then come to watch a performance. Some yeah. husband and wife have had a beautiful moment together and they have come to watch a performance. Each one will experience something different. Yeah. I feel like if I stay true to my intention of what I am doing with my concept, idea, and then bringing all the different aspects of this dance presentation together in the most truthful manner, there is going to be room for an interactive energy to take place. Mm -hmm. And if that happens, and if someone tells me, you know, I felt this, that's bonus for me. It takes some time for me to overcome the butterflies, the fears, my nightmare of you know falling and skipping, all of that. Right. It takes some time for me to step away from the external. Like I am shaking, my hand is shaking now, I can't control it. I can't control when it yeah. begins to shake. I can't control it. Some, so for some time, I'm not able to live it in the beginning. I have to right. accept that. But soon I allow myself to say that I have practiced enough now I must journey, I must journey through this, I must journey through this. And then I find an entry point mm -hmm. around, you know, between two minutes to five minutes, I find an entry point. And then as long as I can be in the moment, I can be present, I can be in other worlds that I have intended to be in through the choreography that has been rehearsed, practiced a lot. 
and I'm finding joy and sparks of wonder come to me, then I feel successful. And like I said, bonus is when someone feels something, someone is moved. It's almost as if there's that duality of it almost doesn't matter whether someone has a spiritual moment or not. Yes, no, right? I don't think I can take credit for that. I mean, yeah. That's a, I, I think probably that's a God complex of yeah. some kind. I, I can't do it. And if they are having that spiritual, spiritual moment, but at the same time, they're left with yearning for more, asking for more exploration, thinking about the questions that they're answering. Perhaps, perhaps. Perhaps, yeah. right. For me, it's actually truthfully experiencing my journey while being aware that I must keep the invitation open for someone to enter my space. Sure, sure. And there's an empathy with that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Just making sure that I I'm not blocking them. I am yeah. I'm allowing for that entry to take place. And that's all there is that I can do. You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with Vijayani Satpati. Welcome back to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation with Odissi artist Vijayani Satpati. I wanted to ask you one thing, and that is what have you learned so far about artistic longevity? You know, you've gone through so many steps mm -hmm. in, in your own journey, in your career. What have you discovered about what the concept of longevity as an artist means mm -hmm. in fact or in some ways how do you continue to maintain relevancy mm -hmm. and in fact importance in in your journey as an artist well there are two things one is definitely if the instrument is the body from in my my career yeah so i have to take care of my body which also means to condition it to keep it toned yeah keep it healthy, watch my diet, not diet diet, but eat healthy, have sure. strength and all that and honor the age. Because the th what happens is that our experience is getting enriched as the ability of the body is on the descent. It's going away. So a lot of things that I can, I want to do, perhaps may not happen to remain forgiving. Mm. Because that's what happens. I am in my body weaker than I was 10 years ago. That's a fact. Yeah. I'm reaching 50. Yeah. So something I could do, the rise of the legs or jumps again and again and again that I could do, um, I'm not able to do now. Then finding new ways of staying with that exuberance that perhaps a jump could manage. Now, how do I show it? Yeah. But remain forgiving by not really saying, oh, I can't do those things anymore. I'm not a good dancer anymore. But knowing that the dance or the tradition or the language has multiple ways to show one thing and trust the richness of experience of life. Yeah. Because if that comes through, 
it doesn't matter if someone young or you young jumped around a lot yeah. now it's much richer something that we we can talk about or interact with the other longevity is about keeping oneself interested in dance yeah. keep staying in the sense of wonder i feel like if i am not curious if i'm not asking myself questions if i'm not throwing questions if i'm not observing then it's boring and boring takes away the joy and that's yeah. where you lose interest and you kind of fall into habit because i have danced for a long time i know i know how it works what works yeah what i can do that immediately the audience going to say wow yeah. so if i fall into if i allow myself to fall into that trap then i will soon lose it i know that i am going to lose it so i don't want to lose it because this right. this relationship with dance and everything that i get out of a practice session or a performance or a rehearsal or a lecture demonstration is so rich for me so fulfilling my life is meaningful because of this yeah. i don't want to lose it so to keep engaged to stay engaged and curious in a state of wonder is is a way to really protect one's relationship right. preserve one's relationship with the art i feel and that's what i like to do yeah uh and i feel like looking at opportunities so i'm not saying that oh i should get 100 performances this year rather right. than yeah. i want to spend 18 months throwing myself into the unknown at the met in foreign galleries trying to juxtapose my art in those spaces yeah. so i threw myself into something that was completely different new frightening scary so that way i feel like the intellectual emotional physical aspects of what a longevity means yeah. in a dancer's dancer's life can be uh, maintained and continued uh, protected i i only had one last thought I feel like we could have this conversation for hours, but I'll, I'll spare you of that. But but given given your journey, your study, your performances, your continued exploration, and even the spirituality that you that you mention to some degree, I'm curious about one thing. If you had a chance to have a conversation with the dancers and the scholars and the philosophers who wrote the Natya Shastra. what would you say to them i would fall at their feet it is such an i i am a big promoter of the natya shastra information it's debated still when it was written but definitely long long ago whether it yeah. is a first century ad or second or third century bc it's a long time ago that people a group of bharatas or one bharata uh debatable thought of uh the human body in such detailed manner i mean as a doctor i'm sure you know how much they have talked about yesterday i was just showing yeah. 13 head movements and positions right. they have created movements for the eyebrows eyelids upper lip lower lip chin cheek yeah. forehead everything every part of the body and then how to bring them together in units of phrases Mm -hmm. so that they come together my anatomy teacher is irene dowd mm -hmm. in new york city and mm -hmm. i just researched 32 movements of what is understood as chari or basic movements of the legs i have sat with marina harsh who's written a lot on me 
watching ballet performance and telling her this is this chari this is that chari this right. this comes from natyashastra and and ballet was written about in 14th century so when yeah. you think of the wealth of natyashastra i want to salute them if i could meet them personally saying that how did you figure this out we are only talking about anatomy joint function everything now yeah. how did you know this what what do you think they would say when they watch one of your performances no i would like to know <laughs> i would like to meet one of them <laughs> but i am i am in awe of that knowledge that we have yeah. i am i'm in completely in awe of it and every time i look at a proscenium stage to think that the dimensions the most appropriate way of building a stage has been written down Yeah. and any stage any proscenium stage that really works is respected by the artist or every artist wants to perform there is by those meters yeah right so the viewing the sight line everything works if it is by the natyashastra and and i wonder if that that framework that reverence to such an important piece of of knowledge and mm -hmm. philosophy of dance mm -hmm. and even all the intricacies of it I'm imagining that that resonates for you every moment even in the most as you mentioned naked expression of yes. the exploration and the innovations. Absolutely. Absolutely because the completeness of the knowledge is already there. Yeah. All we are doing is just stretching one aspect of it. Yeah. That's all. I don't think I'm anybody's inventing anything new. There's right. discovery of one something some aspect of it i have to also say that there is a lot of debate about scriptures and especially also natyashastra where things are problematic yeah. what i try to look at is the science of the body and how through the science of the body there is a greater experience of the internal of the interior which yeah. is spiritual i guess and i find that highly fascinating there are there are gender politics there are lots of other sure. problem problem areas but i'm looking at the language of angika of the body that for me is fascinating because when i look at any dance form classical non classical from the west from africa i am seeing natyashastra in every single movement that is out there so i'm full of awe well I think uh those who are around you who are experiencing your art are full of awe also and that same fascination that you described. We're so grateful and really this has been such a treat um Bijani. I hope you'll come back and join us again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you Bijani. And thanks to all of you for your own journey in mastering the art of listening to our podcast. Till next time, I'm Abhay Dandekar. 